one another's company, and um, above all, to, to come to worship the living Almighty God. What a privilege. And uh, for us to have the, the privilege to open up his word and to, to hear what he has to say to us. Will you please turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30? Deuteronomy chapter 30. This morning is Mission Sunday, which means our focus is on missions, and what a privilege for us to, to be able to do that, to focus on missions, which is the heartbeat of the church. The church has one mission, and that is to go and preach the gospel to a lost world so that people can be reconciled to God, that people can come to faith in Jesus Christ, and... Uh, so that they can have eternal life and live to the glory of God. What a privilege we have. Now, beloved, when God created human beings, he said it was very good after he created. It was very, very good. But unfortunately, there came a time when bad things that happened in the world. You see, if, we have, if, we, if God is a loving God, why does he allow all these all the suffering? Why does God allow all the pain? Why does God allow all these bad things to happen? Wars and and all these things. Why does God allow these things if he's a, a God of love, if he's a if he's good? And the thing is that they do not take into consideration the fall of man. Uh, Brother Wayne was speaking about the fact that we have a sinful nature. And our sinful nature has a major impact on the way that we live, the way that we walk, and the way we talk, and the way we interact with one another. But sin also had an influence on the world, because the world, the earth as we know it, has been cursed. And only when we have a new heaven and a new earth will that curse be lifted. Up until then, this earth is cursed. And it's so unfortunate. Now, even though fallen men are not good, it's amazing how sacred life is to God. To God, life is important. Because remember that you will not find a human being that receives the breath of life from God if God didn't want that person to exist. If God didn't want that person to live, so when God gives uh, any human being the breath of life, it is because he wants that person to live. And you and I have the privilege to take the gospel to a sinful world, a world affected by sin, human beings, people with a sinful nature. We have the privilege of taking the gospel to them, to take the good news to them so that they can hear that there is hope. We have that wonderful privilege. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to read one verse, verse 19. We read the following. Before we read it, though, let's just bow our heads in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, it's such a privilege to come to you this morning, to read from your word, and at the end of the day, uh, get your word expounded so that we can understand. And I pray that you will enable us to understand, to take to heart what you say in your word. Enable me to teach your people, Father, so that you may be glorified. And your word that goes out this morning, that it will not return void, is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19 says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, Blessing to human, be human beings so that they might not just live physically, but also that they may have life eternal. 
through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Because today is Mission Sunday, we are focusing in on missions. And it's amazing that God called us to take the gospel to people who are alive. Because once somebody is dead, that's it. They can't receive Christ as Lord and Savior. They can't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They can't follow Him. But while they are still alive, they can still come to a saving knowledge of the Savior. Now, as I was preparing for the message this morning, I was confronted with the huge responsibility that we have to take the gospel. And, and I want to say it very clearly. We're taking the gospel to a godless, wicked, evil, self-centered world. Where everything revolves around individuals. Everybody is self-centered. Everybody does whatever they do for themselves. Very few do things for others. And I think the closer we come to the return of Jesus Christ, we're going to see more and more self-centeredness develop. And it's heartbreaking. I was reminded that we as believers have this promise from the Lord that one day we will be in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. We will be with Him. It's amazing that we have been reconciled with God to such an extent that we will spend eternity with Him because we've been reconciled with Him. And then He has given us the ministry of reconciliation that we can go into the world and we can preach reconciliation. We can tell them that sinners have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ and what Christ did on the cross. What an amazing opportunity. What an amazing privilege we have to do that in this world that we are living in. You see, we receive physical life from God and we receive spiritual life from God. And obviously when we go into the world and we preach the gospel, it is so that people can receive spiritual life and live forever. That's why we take the gospel into the world, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. There's no other means through which people can be saved but the preaching of the gospel. That's our privilege. That's our calling. That's our commission. That's what God has called us to do. We have a, pri a privilege to go into the world and to proclaim the good news to the world that seems to hate life more and more and more. I've listened to the statistics, our South African statistics on, on, on murder, ne? killing, or aggravated assault. It is staggering. It is staggering that in a country like ours, how little life is worth. And how easily somebody will be killed just for the sake of killing. Two people do not agree with one another and the one kills the other. Or they want drugs. Or they want power. Or they want to keep their power. I wonder if our statistics are not the highest when it comes to political murders in this country. If I just don't agree with my political opponent, I just get him killed. But it's all covered up, by the way. So, I mean, we can't talk about these things. But it's clear very clear and beloved this is the world we are sent into to go and preach the gospel to preach the good news and when people hear the good news to them it's not good news because they don't want to hear that they're sinners and that they are in need of someone to save them because they believe they're good enough to save themselves they don't need a savior they don't need to bow their knees before the almighty God and acknowledge that they are sinners on their way to hell no, they're too good. People believe they are fantastic. And it's because they are so self-centered. Everything revolves around self. There's so much pride in the world today that there's hardly any space for humility. And it's heartbreaking. Now we've come to the point in the world, and, and it amazes me that some lives matter more than others. 
I, I believe you know what I'm talking about. Yeah? And I wonder to myself, since when did human beings, since when can they decide whose life is worth more than somebody else's life? Aren't we created in God's image? Isn't it God who decides about life and death? Isn't God in control? We see that people unfortunately love their lives so much that there seems to be very, let's call it, very little love for others. You can come in. Let's just wait for the children to, to come in. Brother Wayne was like Speedy Gonzalez this morning. Very quick. But I don't blame him because if you've got a, a voice that is in a sore throat and so on, you don't want to talk actually. So I take my hat off to him doing it anyway. So thank you, Brother Wayne. Beloved, we have a calling to take the gospel to the world that is becoming more and more hostile towards human life. It seems as if human life doesn't mean much in the world that we are living in today. And that shouldn't surprise us. Because remember that the, the theory that is being pushed everywhere is the theory of evolution, survival of the fittest. So if you are not the strongest and you are not the, the, the how can I say, the most, most powerful person, then why not take you out? Why not kill you? Because it's all about survival of the fittest, isn't it? Because that's what is being taught, is evolutionary theory. Survival of the fittest. And if you are weak, you should die so that the strongest can survive. And what happens is we are placed on exactly the same level as animals in the wild, where the strongest survive and the weak die. Beloved, but that's not how God looks at life. That's not the way God looks at, at, at human beings created in his image at all. There's a big difference between human beings and animals. Now, biblically speaking, we know that Satan is the god of this world. And we know that he is the father of lies. And we also know that he is a murderer from the beginning. And, but he is called the god of this world. Which means that his character is basically transferred to the people that honor him and worship him and follow him, even though they don't even know that they follow him and worship him. But his character is transferred to these people, and people started acting exactly that way. They lie because their father is the father of lies, and they murder because their father is a murderer from the beginning. Beloved, it's shocking that we are living in a time where human life is not worth much. But that's the world we go into to preach the good news that you can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in saying that the world is, oh, human life is not worth much, I am referring to both children in the womb right up to adults, up to the age, you know, our older people. Life doesn't mean very much. And our verse says to choose life for both the parent and the child. Now the question that came up in my mind is, how do we get to this place where human life is worth so little? Because not many years ago, maybe a few decades ago, Life was still worth something. But it seems as if life is just 
becoming more and more worthless as time goes on, as we get closer to the return of Christ. But I believe in answering this question that we see the murder of babies and right up to adults and older people because now we have euthanasia, which means that you can, with the aid of a doctor, a medical doctor, you can now take your own life. And it's law. So life can be taken into your own hands and you can do with it what you want. Don't care about God. Don't care what God says in his word. People no longer look at human beings as being created in God's image. Because God has been taken out of the equation. God has just been removed from every aspect of society. So why would human beings look at one another as created in God's image? No, people won't look at one another like that because I don't believe that many even know about it. And if we are descendants of apes, well, it's all about the survival of the fittest. I've touched on it already, but that's the reality. If you're a descendant of an ape, that means you're just an animal. Yeah, maybe a little bit higher on the food chain. But that's it. Just an animal. Especially if you look at life without God. Or life where there is no God. A baby in a mother's womb is vulnerable and defenseless. And exposed to to exploitation. And that's why it's so easy to kill a baby in the womb. Very easy. That child can't defend themselves. Or him or herself. I heard a, a shocking thing. And I don't know if you know about this. I don't know if it's just an American thing. But I was listening to a, a video on YouTube. And there was this interview with a young woman. And she was asked how she feels about people asking her or others about their body count. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a few years old. I'm not very old, but I'm, I'm a few years old. And to me, a body count means that some, somebody died. Eh? There's quite a few people that's dead. So what is the body count? So immediately what goes through my mind is, how many people has she seen that died in front of her? And then I thought, well, well, well these are young people talking to one another. So maybe they're referring to, to you know, they give women points. No? They say, yeah, oh, this is a 6 out of 10 or 8 out of 10 or that kind of thing. I've heard about that, that it happens where people, men give women uh, a point out of ten and women do it to men as well and I thought that's what they were meaning with this idea of what is your body count but as I continue to listen to this video and I, I'm so grateful for someone to, to actually who could interpret what they were doing and what they were saying they were actually talking about how many people have you slept with that's the body count. What used to refer to dead people in the past now refers to people that you sleep with. They are not even called human beings. They're not even called people who are alive. Somebody that you poured your soul and heart into. Oh no, people have a one night stand nowadays, no, isn't it? No commitment in relationships anymore. It's just sleeping around. But I never knew we were going to sink so low to call it a body count. But it just came to show that people just don't care. They don't care about life. It's as if there's something happening among human beings and I believe it is because God has been taken out of the equation because God is the one who says that life is sacred 
that life is holy, that life is precious. So what I would like to do this morning is to spend a little bit of time on that. Because we go into a world where there are people who are precious to God. But in this world itself, people don't care. They really don't care. And it's getting worse as we go on with life. So what does the Bible teach about the sanctity of human life? I believe we need to have a strong biblical foundation for the significance of human life, especially because we are commanded to go into this world and to preach the gospel. And our view of human life should be, how can I say, biblical. We need to have a very high view of life. To preserve life at all costs. And it doesn't matter who it is. No human being has the right to take the life of another person. There are a few exceptions, and I'll share it with you just now. But our verse for this morning, let me just read it again. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today among, uh, against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life, that both you and your descendants may live. Beloved, I believe it's God's will for human beings to live no matter how old or no matter how young they are. And God says in Deuteronomy 30, 19, choose life. That means both now, physical life, but I believe also eternal life. And that's why we preach the gospel. So that people can know that they can choose eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. I don't know if you are aware of this growing trend that I just touched on called assisted suicide. I think it became law not long ago in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. If you decide that you don't think you want to live anymore, you go and see a doctor and he gives you the medication and you can go and commit suicide. Other places, if you are too old, and they think that you are too old, you can be assisted in dying. Shocking. Heartbreaking. That human beings have come to the point where they not only play God, but they think they are like God. But remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? Didn't Satan say to Adam and Eve, if you eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, you will be as God. You will be like God. And that's what people try to do in the world that we are living in, is they want to be their own God. And the only way you can be your own God is you've got to reject the God of the Bible. You've got to reject the Creator of heaven and earth. But they do it. And it's unfortunately not only in the world. It's even in the Word of Faith movement. Where one of the doctrines is that we are all little gods. I watched the video last night and I was shocked to my core where the guy ran around on the stage saying, I am Almighty God. Those were his exact words. I am Almighty God. And there's about three to four, maybe five, six thousand people sitting in that mega church. That's the nonsense he is shouting out from the platform. You're not even close. No human being can get close. Because we are creatures, we have been created. But that's the arrogance in human beings. And beloved, if that is in the church, what can we expect from the world? But unfortunately, the world that we 
have to go into and preach the gospel is a wicked world. It's an evil world. It's a world where people are self-centered. Where people don't believe they need God. They don't need forgiveness. They don't need salvation. They don't need to acknowledge their sin. They don't need to bow their knees before the living almighty God. It's easier for them not to believe in a God altogether so that they can do their own thing. Live the way that they want to live. Be their own God of their own life. It's heartbreaking. Now, if you read Exodus chapter 20, verse uh, verse 13, that is the Ten Commandments. It says, you shall not murder. Some translation says, thou shalt not kill, or you shall not kill. The Hebrew word there doesn't have the meaning killing. The meaning there is murder. And actually, there's only two words in the Hebrew. It just says, not murder. So we add a few words there, you shall not murder. But it actually just says, not murder. No murder. We're not allowed to murder another human being. Because life is precious and unique. And from God's perspective, human life is so precious and unique and he commands, uh, that he commands us to protect it. And it is for living people that Jesus Christ came to die. To take their sin upon them. Upon him. So that they can be forgiven of their sin. And so that they can live to the glory of God while they are alive. That's how precious it is to God. Now beloved, killing is permissible. In certain situations. You can't kill another human being. One of the, the reasons why you can kill another human being or when it's permissible is when there is war. I kind of wonder sometimes, these wars that, are, that we see nowadays, they are created and funded by exactly the same people. And sometimes these corporations, they fund both sides. So those who make the the weapons that the people use to kill one another comes from exactly the same source. But the Bible gives us examples where God commands his people to kill their enemies, especially those who were aggressive towards Israel. In warfare, we find it, for example, in Genesis 10, verse 5, and Genesis 11, verse 9. So in war, it's permissible. But I believe if it's a a war that is a genuine war, not these concocted wars that we find nowadays. Let me use one example. You remember the war in the Gulf? George W. Bush that went onto television and the Prime Minister of England went onto television and said, in Iraq, there are weapons of mass destruction. Remember that? And they went to war in Iraq. They overthrew the government. They killed their president. And we're still waiting to see one of those weapons of mass destruction. Because it doesn't exist. That's a political war, by the way. Unfounded. No reason to have a war like that. And I do not believe that revolutions are wars, by the way. Killing another person is also permissible in self-defense. Which means it was not your intention to kill that person, but you had to defend yourself or you had to defend your family. And the person is killed in the, in, in, in the self-defense that takes place. Then it is also permissible. It's also permissible when the government performs capital punishment. 
Unfortunately, when your judicial system is uh, no longer, uh, how can I say, trustworthy, then maybe it's a good thing that capital punishment does not exist. You know what capital punishment is? That's when somebody is killed. If they commit murder, then it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and life for life, which means if you take the life of somebody, your life will be taken. It's a biblical principle. But when your judicial system is all messed up, then you can know that people will be killed who are not supposed to be killed. And people who are supposed to be killed are not going to be killed because the system is messed up. Unfortunately, in the day and age that we are living in, people don't have a lot of trust in the judicial system of countries. And another reason, well, let me read Genesis 9, verse 5 to 6 to you. It says, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. And that's government coming in as an instrument in God's hand to punish the wicked. But in the day and age that we live in today, it seems as if the wicked goes free and those who are not guilty, they get punished. Just go and listen, read the news, read papers, watch what's going on all over the world. It says, for in the image of God, he made man. Let me read it again. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he is made. And that's the reason why there is such a thing as capital punishment. If somebody takes the life of a person that is created in God's image, that person's life must also be taken. You cannot take the life of somebody that has been created in God's image and think you're going to get away with it. And if the judicial system doesn't work in a country, you're going to stand before the judge of all judges one day and righteousness shall prevail. So there will be judgment. The instrument that God decided on in this world is government. And if government is not doing their job, then there is going to be punishment. God will punish. And then the fourth reason why it's permissible for um, human beings to kill one, uh, somebody else is if it happens by accident. There are accidents that happen and people do get killed when accidents do happen. Those are the four permissible reasons why one human being can kill another human being and that person is not guilty of murder. What about abortion? I mean, it's, isn't it just killing a lump of cells? Because that's what the, the pro-choice people are crying out and I hear it in churches nowadays. I hear it among believers, well, professing believers. It's a lump of cells. Or oh, they use the word fetus, and I've told you before what a fetus is. It's the offspring of a mammal, man, which means it's a baby. So you can call it a fetus, give it another name, it still stays exactly the same thing. You see, Scripture teaches that there is life in the womb at the moment of conception. Beloved, and this is the world we're going into. We're going into the world where mothers kill their own babies. And we think it was rough in the days of Israel. You remember when the babies were sacrificed to idols? Today, babies are sacrificed for pleasure. The God of pleasure. And comfort. I think we are worse off than Israel. But that's the reality. That's the world we enter into. And I believe we need to be a voice that preaches the gospel. The good news that people can be saved. But I believe we need to be a prophetic voice at the same time. Warning people of what God has to say. Because God is clear. 
preserved the life of not only the parent, but also the descendant, the child. Choose life. And by the way, that little baby that's inside the mother is completely separate from the mother. I heard yesterday, I was listening to a sermon, and I enjoyed it so much. And the, the, the preacher said, when a pregnant mother goes into hospital, there are two bodies that goes in. Not just one. Two bodies go in. And when that child is delivered, it's two bodies that comes out. It's not one body that walks in and it's two bodies that come out. And all of a sudden when that child is born, that child is now a legitimate child. You know, that child is separate from the mother. That child has distinct, unique DNA. The DNA code is absolutely distinct from the mother's DNA. Even the blood is separate from the mother's blood. Beloved, to have an abortion, I believe, biblically speaking, is murder. Turn with me quickly to, uh, to Exodus chapter 21. Now, this is a civil law. It's a law that was, was made and given to Israel, and they had to abide by this. But I believe that we can take the principle from this passage. Exodus chapter 21, we're going to read verse 22 and 23. It says, when, if, if men fight and hurt a woman with child, which means a pregnant woman, eh? so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows. That means the child is prematurely born, but the child doesn't die. Okay? That's what it means. And the child is not hurt. It says, he shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him. And it's because he... The one that was basically hurting the woman that was pregnant um, was the, basically the instrument in causing that child to be born prematurely. All right? So whatever the husband decides will be the punishment for that man, that shall be the punishment. And it says, and he shall pay as the judges determine. Verse 23, but if any harm follows... Then you shall give life for life. This basically means that if a man hurts a woman that is pregnant, and that child is born prematurely, and that child dies prematurely, that man who hurt the woman must die. Why? Because he's taken a life created in God's image. See how serious this is? So what do we say about all the doctors that are doing abortions every single day? Now I know this is a civil law in Israel. I understand that. But beloved, I do believe that God hasn't changed his mind yet. He hasn't decided that a child in a mother's womb is just a lump of tissue. Or a bunch of cells. And I'll tell you now. I'll tell you about it just in a little while. Beloved, God has a penalty for those who murder another human being. Genesis 9 verse 6 says, Whoever sheds man's blood by man, his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. We are called to let people live and we are called to go into the world and preach the gospel but also at the same time be prophetic in this world because this world is getting more and more wicked. We need to allow our light to shine and to be salt in this earth. So what is the meaning of sanctity of life? Someone said, and I quote, sanctity of life means that human life is created by God, is sustained by God, uh, possessed by God, planned by God, and is therefore set apart unto God for His use and for His glory. Beloved, sanctity of life is seen in the fact that 
we've been created in God's image, no? basically. Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Man and woman or men and women are created in the image of God. That's it. If you don't believe that, then most probably you're a humanist and you're not a Christian. Because Christians believe that we are created, men and women are created in the image of God. And after God made everything beautiful, he saw it was good and he said, let us make man in our own image. Only human beings are made in the image of God, by the way. Only human beings can have fellowship with God. Animals and plants and birds and fish cannot fellowship with God. It doesn't mean that animals and plants and so on are not important. And we shouldn't look after them. But the crown of God's creation is human beings. The sanctity of life, beloved, is also seen in the fact that God has given us special privileges. Listen to this in Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6. Psalm 8, verse 4 to 6, he says, What is a man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Wow. Wow. You see, only human life has been crowned with glory and honor as it reflects the image of God. It doesn't mean that we become little gods, ne? as the Word of Faith movement teaches. But according to the psalmist, only human beings have been given dominion over God's creation as we reflect His image. But the sanctity of life is also seen in God's ownership over us from birth. Listen to this, Psalm 22, verse 9 to 10. It says, but you are he who took me out of, the uh, out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breasts. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Beloved, human life is dependent on God in the womb. At birth and after birth. It's only when you reject God and you reject His Word can you get to that place where you are able to destroy human life before birth in the womb of a mother. But the sanctity of life, of human life, is also seen, beloved, in the detail of God's creation. You need to turn with me. To Psalm 139. Maybe you've read it before, but let's read it again. Such a beautiful psalm, such a beautiful few verses. Psalm 139, we're going to read from verse 13. It reads as follows The psalm says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet, there were none of them. Which means, this child wasn't even born, didn't have one day of life. This is already said about this child. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great the sum of them. Wow. 
Wow. When I read this, I say to myself, Wow. Life is sacred, special. You see, the psalm describes the inner, or let's call it the eternal network of all the organs and the various parts of a human body formed by God while in the womb. Someone said, and I quote, This psalm has a beautiful expression in the Hebrew language that we cannot see in the English. And that is, the Hebrew language describes the anatomical beauty of how God formed human life in the womb. The picture presented in the original is that all the bones, all the arteries, all the muscles, and all the statures of the body are divinely weaved together in a unique pattern by God. All the parts of the human body, like our personality, our facial features, our color of our hair, the color of our eyes, our toenails, our fingernails, the size of our ears, the shape of our nose, our eyebrows, and our eyelashes are all formed by God the exact way He wants them to be. Amazing. You see, without the detailed creation of God, we would not be where we are or who we are today. If God wasn't interested in detail. And now you may ask, but what about people that come out crippled? What about children that, that can't even function properly? Beloved, we need to understand that sin... It's got its influence on this world. And we're going to see suffering and pain, and we're going to see misformed people, and we're going to see things that is not nice. Because this is not heaven. This is earth. That has been cursed because of the sin of Adam and Eve. That's why there's so much brokenness on this earth. That doesn't take away that God is the giver of life. And that's why when whatever a life might look like, another human being doesn't have the right to take that life away. To destroy that life. Because life is sacred. Because even that crippled child has been created in the image of God. And as I said in the beginning, remember, it's a distorted image because sin entered into this world. Yet it doesn't take away the fact that that child's life is sacred or that human being's life is sacred. You see, Psalm 139 reveals to us how we should respond to the detailed creation of our body. Listen to verse 14 again. It says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Let me conclude. Beloved, as we go into this world to share the gospel, we need to know this. That human life is unique, it's distinct, and extremely valuable. And whenever we have interaction with, with, with human beings, that's how we should look at their lives. A life created in the image and likeness of God. And God preserves and protects human life like no other life on earth. Beloved, and God is at work in human life, beginning at conception and continuing through the development in the womb till birth and beyond. And our responsibility under God is to respect and protect all life. 
so that the purposes of God can be fulfilled in each life that he creates. We might look at a life and say, I don't think this life has got any use. But when God looks at it, he looks at it completely different. So when we enter the mission field, when we walk out these doors this afternoon, not just now, when we walk out these doors, you are entering the mission field. You know that? We all, as missionaries, enter the mission field. So as we enter into this mission field, remember that each individual that you are going to meet is unique, distinct, and valuable. And go and treat everyone as such. Go and share the good news of the gospel so that people can have eternal life and come to a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But also go and defend the vulnerable, the weak, the downtrodden. For they too are unique, distinct, and valuable. For they have been created in the image of God. Beloved, that's our mission field. May God give us the grace to act as his missionaries, sent ones in a world that is broken, evil, sinful, but in great need of a Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that we can come to you in Jesus' name. And thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of taking the gospel, the good news, into a dying world. And yes, I, we know that people will die physically. But, Father, we are concerned that people will die the second death. That is separation from you for all eternity. And we know it's only the gospel that can save. And for the gospel to reach them, Father, we need there are people needed to, to preach the gospel. And I pray that you will use us as instruments in your hands, Lord. That we will go and we will share the good news of the gospel. And Father, as we look at this world that is going becoming more and more evil, I pray, Father, that you will enable us to be a prophetic voice to this world, to speak the truth in love, so that at the end of the day, people can see how broken this world is. Oh, Father, we pray, be with each one of us. Give us boldness as we enter our own mission field when we walk out these doors. We pray in Jesus' name.